Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare, and you found the place where we talk horses. Before we start, I just want to say I hope you're all doing well. I recorded this the first week of April. The world seems a crazy place with the COVID virus. I want to ensure you have something to listen to, something to keep you focused on your horses. This will all be over, and I'm hopeful it'll be over by the time you hear this. About a month ago, listener Jeannie Marie Andriotti, excuse me if I butcher your name, Jeannie, she wrote me an email. Jeannie is deep into horses. Her business, Tumbling J Mohair Tack, handcrafts mohair cinches. Jeannie also teaches at Equa 911. So when she writes me with a suggestion for a guest, I listen. Jeannie is friends with Tiffany McClory, a horse trainer and colt starter in Paducah, Texas. Tiffany knows a lot about horsemanship growing up, learning from her father and mother, Buster and Cheryl McClory. She's real easy to talk to, and our conversation wanders all over the place. Well, all over the place on the topic of horses. And we could have gone on another hour, but we know you have chores to do. So here's my conversation with Tiffany McClory. Hey, good morning, Tiffany. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Mr. Hare? We're doing great. And you can call me John. I think my dad's okay. Mr. Hare. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got to tell you, back in uh, 2014, I watched your dad in Paso Robles at the uh, Horseman's Reunion there. I got to meet, meet him briefly, but he was helping everybody start colts. And that's what you kind of specialize in too, right? Yes, sir. I get to I get to start a lot of colts. I help mom and dad. They hire me when the, they go to some of these bigger ranches. So I get, I get to see lots of different kinds of horses and and I get to learn from two of the best in the industry. I have the best of both worlds. You just got back from starting some cults. Yes, sir. We were down at the Rocker Bee Ranch down towards Barnhart, Texas. We've been going down there for, oh, I don't know, eight or nine years. And, and just mom and dad always hire me to go down there and help them. And it's a fun place. It's great people, great horses. So it's always a lot of fun to go down there. And how many horses will you start in a session like that? Uh, it just depends on how many they have. I think we started 12 two-year-olds down there this time, and mom and dad halter broke, I believe, 17 yearlings. So it, it was enough to keep us busy. And like I said, they're all really nice horses. And so it, it makes it a lot of fun. We have had, you know, as many as 60, 70. So it just kind of depends on what the ranch has. And how far along do you get them? That, too, also depends. Most places we go, they want, you know, 15 rides on it, on them, give or take. We did get to go start the Center Ranch horses. We've uh, we've gotten to put, you know, 45, 60 rides on them, which is a lot of fun to, to get to go a little further with them. That's a good point. And how far can you get in 15 rides? And how far can you get in 45 rides? Well, it's... I would say it depends on the horse. Some of them are really willing to get along and try to do what you ask and maybe aren't as sensitive as some others where they may take a little more time. But in that 15 days, you can get a 
good beginning foundation on them. You know, first day we'll usually get them ready to be saddled, and and then depending on the horse, if he's didn't have much too much trouble with that, we may go ahead and saddle them. Some of them we even ride the first day. We try to get them ready for what's coming next. And uh, if a horse needs a little more time or is a little unsure about something, you know, we'll we'll sure take the time that it takes for that horse so that that he gets the best start that he possibly can you know we don't have a well they need to be doing a b and c by day six and it's it's definitely what the horse needs and and when he needs it if you set a schedule they'll sure as heck mess it up i'm sure absolutely yes sir (laughs) do you start them in a hackamore no, sir. Usually in the first ride or two, we'll ride them in a halter, uh-huh. um, and then we'll go to a, uh, just a snaffle bit, a ring snaffle bit. And that's usually what I ride most of these colts in. And actually, I've kept I've kept a lot of horses in a snaffle bit. The goal, I think, is to get them doing whatever you might ever ask them to do really confidently in that snaffle bit. And then it's kind of like, why would you want to change? Of right. course, showing, showing reasons, you know, I switched over to a bridle for that reason but uh i've ridden a, a started a few colts in a hackamore and it's it's different but uh i just haven't had a lot of experience with it the horses that you start are they just typical ranch horses i mean i imagine you start horses for a, a whole bunch of different reasons but the majority of the horses that you start are they going to be working ranch horses most of them are, yes, sir. I start all of the Green Ranch horses that's there in Albany, Texas. Most of their horses are used there on the ranch. They do sell a few. And, of course, those horses are really cowbred, so they have the potential to go to the show pen, which that's where my mare Wicked came from, was off of the Green Ranch. You know, they're definitely useful on the ranch, and you can sure go to the show pen with them. Same for the Rocker Bee. Their horses, they use there on the ranch. They get day-to-day experience and uh, but you can also take them to the show pen like the center ranch they're more performance geared you see you know they're really big in the cutting industry but ultimately most of them are ranch horses i've started a bunch of barrel horses even some warm bloods and so I've, i've got to to work with a lot of different types of horses and so it's been a lot of fun as a you know californian and primarily a recreational rider, what does a ranch horse need to know to do his job? What kind of things are they doing on the ranch? Well, you know, it's just the day-to-day activities. I mean, uh, working cattle, roping, something as easy as just prowling through the pasture to check on cattle. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, if somebody was going to take one to show, then then you get the more show stuff put on them. But really, just to to start a ranch horse, we try to get that good foundation, you know, where they're good about saddling, good about having their feet roped, mm-hmm. good about having a rope down around them, just kind of preparing them for anything that might come their way as as their uh, job progresses. I think that's a good thing, a good thing to put on on any type of horse. I think the more that you can expose them to and have them confident and okay with what you've exposed them to. I think it just it just helps build more trust in that horse, and it builds his trust in you, which I just think makes for a great partnership further down the road. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned your uh, gray mare, Wicked. Do you have a favorite 
breeding line that that you like? I have a friend who loves Hancock horses, and uh, I always heard they were just kind of a little bit bronky, but he's he that he says that's what he likes about them. Yes, sir. I uh, I prefer the more cowbred horses. Horse Wicked. She's by a horse called Chino Pep, who's a Peppy Sam Badger. I really like, really, really like that line. I love the WR, this cat smart, the one-time Peptos, any of those those real cowbred type horses. I, te- I tend to lean towards them. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about Wicked? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, uh, She's eight now. I started her when she was two. Like I said, she belonged to uh, Billy Green, who owns the WH Green Ranch there in Albany, Texas. I started her form and I just instantly fell in love with her. So I rode her, oh, I don't know, a month or so. And then we turned her out and I got her back later that fall and rode her for probably another month or two. And then we turned her out for nearly a year. And uh, I went back to go get some horses from him. And he asked me, he said, do you think you might want to try to start that little, or show that little blue mare? And uh, I was like, absolutely. I didn't know for sure at the time what I was going to show her in, but I knew I wanted her on my trailer going home. <laughs> so we lo- I loaded her up and went to riding her. She wasn't real gentle. She's super sensitive little mare. Um, it really took a long time for her to get okay with things. She taught me tons and tons of stuff. But uh, I kind of set our sights on the Stock Horse of Texas shows. Uh-huh. So I took her to to two shows I guess she would have been four and uh, learned a lot as to what I needed to work on and what I needed to get her more confident in and the next year we really focused on the shot shows and uh, she ended up being the third uh, in the junior horse all around for the year and then she was the junior horse working cow horse champion that year wow so it's uh, and it's just kind of gone from there I've always wanted to show in the RHAA, which is the Ranch Horse Association of America. Uh Roping was kind of my, I I don't rope very well, so that was kind of my uh, only drawback to that. But I thought, you know what, I've got the horse that can go do it. It's time for you to do something. So I uh, I started showing her some of those, and and she got qualified for the RHA National Finals, which will hopefully be this May um, in Abilene. So she's just been a lot of fun. Like she's she's taken me places and taught me things and enabled me to meet people that I probably never would have met if it hadn't been for her. That is so cool. I always have to go back to the to the beginning of when you saw Wicked. Fascinates me what people see in a horse that kind of creates that instant bond. Can do you remember? She just has this look in her eye. She's got a really big, kind eye, but it's got a little bit of a glint to it, I guess, for lack of a better word. She's super sweet. Like I said, she's she's really sensitive, little mare, and she's got just a tad of an attitude, which I like. I think it, it's a great personality. Um, she, she's got tons of personality, but it was just something about that look in her eye that I was just like, there's something really special about this mare. Yeah. I kind of claimed her as my own from the very beginning. And, and then I guess I've had her, she's actually been mine for about a year, a little over a year. So 
I have a question written down. It's that, you know, starting cults is a bit like fostering dogs for the blind or the deaf. You have to spend a lot of time with them to get them started right. And I was kind of wondering if you if you get attached to them. I mean, I instantly get attached to my animals and I think I'd find it hard to, to work with that, especially a good horse, and then have to get in my truck and, and go home and leave that, that horse behind. Yes, sir. I get attached to them so easy. I find something that I like about just about every one of them, and, and especially those that are maybe a little more troubled about stuff. So we really spend a lot more time with them and, and try to help them work through what's bothering them. I find those kind really, really hard to leave. And I ride the young sale horses for for the greens during the AQHA Best of the Remuda sale up in Fort Worth and then the Invitational Ranch Horse sale here in Abilene. And those horses after the sale, I'm crying. It's like, <laughs> I, I do. I get super attached to them. And, and it ultimately comes down to, I just want the best for them as right. they go to their new owner and toward their new life. I just, I hope and I pray that, you know, that they get have the best life possible and that I've done everything that I can do to have prepared them for that. Right. And uh, so it is, it's hard to see them go. Even some, you know, that just come for just, you know, a couple months or whatever. It's, it's hard to see most of them go. Yeah. I've started one horse in my life. He was a Mustang and he was from a, a local private wild herd, not a BLM horse here in Tehachapi. And he was gelded at uh, seven then they didn't have a spot for him so they put him back out in the wild herd and I got him when he was nine and started him from there did you ever start an older horse like that and what kind of special problems did you run into yes sir I have started a few older horses I think the main thing that you kind of run in with them is they've had you know six or seven or eight or nine years of, of being a horse and doing their own thing. So then when the human gets involved at a later point like that, they kind of have some of their ways set about them already. So sometimes it can be a little more difficult to to present your idea to them and get them to, to let down enough to where they can accept it and understand it. You know, and then it depends upon if, say there's somebody's and, and they were just late and starting them for whatever reason, you know, you get a five or six year old in that's been uh, handled or, or spoiled, uh, spoiled. <laughs> yes, sir. For, for five or six years, you know, that can be quite a challenge too. And the unfortunate thing about that is most people think, you know, that they're doing really good and right by the horse. If, if that time that they spend with them, isn't quality time. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the horse can kind of be pushy or disrespectful. And, and then sometimes they have to go through quite a bit of trouble themselves to learn that they don't have to go through that trouble and, and that, that uh, you can lead things and, and that they're going to be okay with you, with you being the leader. Yeah. I, I like to start horses younger. We've started some year and a half. Of course, when, you know, it's that it's, it's 10, 12, 15 really light rides, you know, no hard work, no all-day stuff. Just, you know, just something to get a, a little foundation on them and then turn them out and let them grow. Two, I think, is a is a really good age to start one. 
Tiffany's mom and dad both work with horses. In a moment, I asked Tiffany about the differences in the way men and women train on horses. But first, this from Total Saddle Fit and the Shoulder Relief Cinch. I want to thank Total Saddle Fit for sponsoring the Woe Podcast. Total Saddle Fit makes the Shoulder Relief Cinch. With its unique shape and contours, the Shoulder Relief Cinch redirects the latigos of your saddle to improve your horse's range of motion in the shoulders. The Shoulder Relief Cinch is robustly padded and cutaways in the places where your horse needs it. Total Saddle Fit wants you to try this innovative new take on the cinch by offering free worldwide shipping. That's right. Try it for 30 days risk-free. I've got one I use on my quarter horse mare Jessie and my Mustang Scratch, and I really like the look and feel of the shoulder relief cinch. Over 10,000 riders rely on the shoulder relief cinch. Find your perfect size, color, and material at totalsaddlefit.com and tell them you heard about it on the Woe Podcast. And you're around both your mom and dad working with horses, and you're around a lot of other trainers, too. Are, do you see major differences between the way men and women trainers train cold starts or just training in general? I think there are a few differences. I, I would say that, and this is total, you know, a generalization. I would say that mm. women tend, usually, tend to be a little more patient, a little more forgiving with a horse. Now, I've seen I've seen guys that you know are just as forgiving and patient as a, a, a woman. I know I'm guilty of of really loving on a horse and uh, you know spending a lot of time petting with petting on one or. Do you think that's a bad thing? No, not at all. I think I, I like to be able to to go up and, and rub and hug and love on my horses, but I want a, a respect there. I don't want them pushing on me and leaning on me while, you know, running me over while I'm doing it. There right. should be a, a way where I can go and, and love on one, but I should also be able to send them away from me at any given time mm-hmm. and that, that they understand and respect that. I think that would probably be the main difference is, is I think women sometimes tend to be a little more patient. Yeah, that's good. And and I find myself when I'm working with my horse, constantly reminding myself to be patient. So I'm trying to suppress that tendency to be impatient with my horse and just take your time. He needs, sure. a, little, he needs a little bit more. He needs a few more minutes with it. Sure. I think that's something I, I do the same thing. I, I find myself at times going, okay, you know, slow back down, take a step back and let's, let's start over or give them another second. Or so I think it's, I think that's just human nature, you know, especially when you've got one that's, that's really smart and is really getting along and, and seems to be picking up what you're asking of them. And it's, it's easy to go, okay, well, let's do this next. and Let's do this next. And, yeah. So it, it can it can be a, a good reminder to say, hey, slow down just a second. It's really fun talking to you. I'm sorry if I'm bouncing around here, but there's when you start a cult, you are teaching everything that cult's seeing from you is is really new and really fresh and doing stuff like that. And then you said that you went into the show ring with Wicked and the stuff that you have to do in the show ring, 
you have to do over and over and over again. And the horse is going, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. How do you keep that f- fresh when you, while you're training r- Wicked? I think I probably lucked out with her. I really rode her. That's really how I, I got her ready to go show is I um, really tried to get the basic foundation stuff good and where she was really confident about it, you know, flexing left and right, moving her hindquarters left and right, making sure that I didn't let her lean on my hands or lean on my feet, just really getting those foundation, that foundation really solid. And then it seemed like just, you know, she'd get a little, she'd pick up a little bit more on this and pick up a little on that. And it kind of came together pretty easily once she let down and got okay with all of that stuff. Uh-huh. As for the as for the cattle, I didn't have uh, access to any cattle when I was getting her ready to show for the most part. There was a time or two, you know, I'd go a place where I, I could work for a few days or whatever. So most of her cow experience came from the shows. That was when she really got to work a cow was when we went to the shows. Um, but she's natural. She's cow bred and she loves it. So it came really natural for her. Yeah. So she probably spoiled me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and when you were training her, like on the ranch, in the ranch shows, there's raining patterns that you have to do, aren't there? Yes, sir. Would you train those in the arena? Did you spend a lot of time in the arena? No, sir. I've, I've spent a lot of time out here in the, in the pasture, just, uh, you know, getting her transitions good. Cool especially the hindquarters, making sure I could, could could direct and move those hindquarters. You know, when I ask her to, of course, that come in handy with the lead changes and lead departures and and uh, rollbacks and stuff. So it was it was really I, I really just rode her. I don't know f- for certain that I actually just trained on her a lot. Uh-huh. I did go spend uh, I got to spend about five or six months with Russell Deal Day here a few years ago um I had ridden with him a couple times and I have a lot of respect for him and so I asked him one day I said hey I have a little mare that I'm wanting to show some more but I know it's time for her to step up but I don't want to mess up what I have right now you know would it be possible for me to come spend a week or, or so with you and and he's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And ended up, I got to stay five or six months. And, oh, and wow. uh, so that was an awesome experience and, and really helped me with the show part of it. I still felt myself reverting back sometimes to the cult starting more, you know, doing things a little slower. Right. Uh, so sometimes I felt a battle between, you know, they need to be doing this or maybe if I just give them another day or two, it'll be better. So. But it's, it's been good for me. It really has been good for me. And then that brings up another point is that learning from other people, you guys all have a great knowledge of horses and horsemanship, but you're always looking to see what piece of advice that you can get from somebody else. Like the deal days, they've been in horses a long time. They know a yes, whole sir. bunch of stuff. And yes, sir. That's really important to kind of keep in mind. I mean, you your dad's Buster McGlory. You know, you've probably run into Martin Black. All mm-hmm. these guys, you just kind of pick up little things. Is it the way they move or are you looking for different things? How do you pick out what you'll take from somebody and what you might, oh, well, that might not fit into my personality? 
mom and dad, of course, obviously are, are my biggest influences, which, and then of course that leads to Ray Hunt, you know, mm-hmm. he, he and Carolyn, good family friends. And, and so, you know, I grew up knowing them. If I'm anywhere where somebody's working a horse or, or if I get, you know, a chance to go to a clinic to watch somebody new or something, I just kind of like to see how, how they present their idea to the horse and how that horse responds. Especially, you know, if, if one maybe got a little bothered about something, you know, what did they do to help that horse? And I think that's where I kind of pick up stuff to say, you know, oh, well, that works good. I'll kind of put that in my little arsenal and, and uh, that might come in handy with a horse, you know, that I might get in a year or two. Right. And I, I like to I like to talk about it and I'm open to new ideas. And especially if the person can say, well, this is why I do it. Let me show you why it helps this. Then, then I'm for sure open, open to learning. And and sometimes it's stuff what not to do. You know, I've right. said things, yeah. and I thought, no way would I do <laughs> that to a horse. <laughs> but you know, if it's working for you, go ahead, whatever. Yeah. And I can I can be pretty stuck in my ways on some things, but if, like I said, if if you can show me why this works for you, then, then okay. Yeah. You know, maybe that is something I might need on on a horse one day. Very cool. Our listeners are generally uh, recreational riders. Would you have one piece of advice that you might pass along to them when they're working with their horses? I think probably my biggest thing is the hindquarters. If you can get those hindquarters to where you can move them over correctly, either on the ground or while you're on them, I believe that can be is one of the most key foundational parts to a horse. It can head off a lot of trouble, you know, and it can quote unquote fix some things, uh, you know, if you're having trouble with a horse, being able to move those hindquarters, I believe is, is a key step. It's something, and I've had a lot of discussions with a lot of different people on it. Some think the same way and some didn't, but I've, I've found horses and I've found situations where I thought that the hindquarters were important and that horse just showed me that they're way more important than I was thinking that they were. Huh. Um, of course, that came from mom and dad and, and from Ray. Just between those three, there's lots of years of horsemanship there that <laughs> that, uh, that you can't deny. <laughs> that's and, right. uh, so I kind of, that's one thing. I think um, being able to, to move and direct those hindquarters is, is something that is helpful for anybody, any horse, at any time, any age. Uh, I just think it's a really, really useful, helpful skill. Great. One last question. I'll let you go for the day, but what would you be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing now? I have no idea. (laughs) I actually, I actually always wanted to be an attorney and I got my degree from Sol Ross in Uh political science with the intention of going to law school. I went to work for an attorney for about a year, year and a half. And I thought, no way, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. So (laughs) I made the decision. I called mom and dad. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to law school. I'm going to come back and ride horses. (laughs) So I couldn't, I couldn't get away from them. And, and I absolutely love it. I love learning from them. I love studying them. It's just, they make my heart happy. So I just, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have them. I really don't. That's great. Well, thanks so much for taking time out of your your day. I know you've been working horses all morning. You probably got to head back out there and work a few more. Yes, sir. 
It's really been a lot of fun talking to you. Absolutely. It has been. I sure appreciate it. I hope we get to meet someday. So hopefully one day our, our paths will cross. That will do it for another episode. Thanks to Tiffany for being on the show. She told me we might even get to talk to her mom and dad a little later in the year. I'd love to tap in their knowledge of horses, not to mention some of their experiences with Ray and Carolyn Hunt. The link to Tiffany's Facebook page is in the show notes at woepodcast.com. I also put a link to the website for Jeannie Marie's Tumbling J Mohair Tack. You might want to check that out too. Woepodcast.com is the same place you can find all our podcasts. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'd love to hear about your horse. Do you have a story to tell? Share your story with us. My email is john at woepodcast.com or connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under the name Podcast. Share a few photos of you having fun with your horse. I love seeing that. Thanks again for listening and sharing the podcast. Stay safe and healthy. So until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.